an intrepid explorer, a legendary treasure, a labyrinth of catacombs beneath the city of lights. It's your average night out for Scarlet Marlowe, a legacy explorer on the hunt for the fabled Philosopher's Stone, and she believes it is hiding in a secret tunnel somewhere in the Paris catacombs. She recruits a team to help her navigate the nightmarish underground tunnels, and what they find will change their perception of reality. Hell is very real, and it's underneath Paris, France, in this underrated 2014 found footage gem, as above, so below. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. Welcome to the Filmgasm podcast, the horror podcast that shines a spotlight on both the classics and the other ones. I'm excited about this one because I thought it was going to suck, but it ended up being quite a creepy adventure. We've got no rewind for you today, so let's jump right in. Austin, you said you had seen this before, but it was highly forgettable. What changed this time? Ah, well, six years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've talked about plenty on the filmgasm podcast here that i've i've um horror has become a genre and everything surrounding you know surrounding all the subgenres surrounding horror uh have become a part of my life more recently than you um movies have always been you know something that are you know huge in my life but uh horror yeah it was something i wasn't super interested in um but i did see this one in theaters with one of my friends who who was really hyped to see this movie um, so he, you know, he took me to see it. This would have been, you know, 2014. I was seeing movies left and right. Um, I, I, you know, I can vividly remember, you know, Boyhood, Whiplash, you know, Birdman, Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, I know there's plenty of movies you love from that year as well. It's, it's a, it's a awesome year. And so it got kind of lost, right? Just, I, I, I don't, I didn't know exactly what I was watching. There's some, there's some source material type stuff there that if you don't know about it, it kind of takes away from the film. And I know we're yeah. going to get into that. I know you talked about that uh, in your review for it. And um, I, I was glad to know that you enjoyed it on your first watch because you had like direct family members tell you that it was shit. <laughs> yeah. I had super low expectations for this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I never thought it was shit necessarily, but I, I just remember forgetting most of it and not really enjoying the performances, which is what I was mostly about at that time. Uh, as a 19 year old watching movies <laughs> uh, now, now I can appreciate big picture stuff more and atmosphere. And uh, this movie has plenty of atmosphere. There's, yeah. there's one specific moment that really had me kind of pulling at the carpet um, with, with Benji uh, that just kind of still is still sitting with me that I, I don't remember where I was at mentally at the theater, why that didn't fuck with me more because it is, it is a brutal scene happening right in the middle of the movie it's awesome so yeah man i'm i'm really excited that we got this one the book knows it uh it, it does this to us where we're both kind of like ah shit as above so below really like we got we got to do one from this decade that's known as a stinker it has horrible reviews horrible 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 but i would say and i think you would say even more than me ignore the reviews ignore the critics they don't they they also didn't know exactly what they were watching um, you, you got to do a little research for this one. So I, I think Connor, you, you're, you're really going to bring the heat um, with, uh, w- with what's, what's in store for as above so below as a movie um, on screen and, you know, 
kind of methodically what it is, you know, so it's, it's, yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of dissect it. So, um, so. yeah, you, you, your first time around it's on Netflix. what do you think? Well, I, I was blown away. I thought this was really cool. I thought it was a really smart, creepy found footage film that was, I thought, wholly original. I'd never seen anything like this in this vein. Yeah. It wasn't just a go into the catacombs. And there's like demons or ghosts or monsters or something. This was a story about an explorer trying to find, you know, a fabled artifact and she finds more than she bargained for. It's basically found footage Tomb Raider, but a lot more uh, intelligent, I think. And yeah. when it comes to the reviews, horror more than any genre is incredibly subjective. And, you know, what I think is amazing, somebody else might think is disgusting or immoral yeah. or stupid. And horror cannot be judged by critic reviews. It just can't. There are so many great horror films out there that are just panned by everybody. So you really yeah. have to just see it for yourself when it comes to horror more than any other genre, I think. And this is a great example of that. For sure. I, I, and it, it really is one of those that you, you got to test yourself out and it's like the perfect hour and a half rounded just in your face. And it's, you, you, you really are either going to like it or you're not. That's it. It's just straight yeah. up. Um, yeah. And I enjoy it for the most part. I enjoy it. I, I think um, if it had bigger actors in it, it might, um, that it might behoove from that, but at the same time, it might take away from the atmosphere, right? Because we're not focused on the people as much as the situation at hand. And as they start kind of turning on each other, it's like, Oh shit. You know, it gets, it gets cool there. It's a good, um, good stuff. I think there's plenty to talk about here. I think this movie had one of the most brilliant depictions of hell I've ever seen in a film. This was such a smart way to show just perfect hell. I mean, hell is darkness. Hell is, you know, being, it's tr being trapped. I'm fairly claustrophobic myself. So this, this movie really got in my head for obvious. Yeah. Reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will never be caught dead in the fucking Paris catacombs. I don't care if it's a guided tour by, you know, by flashlight. I don't care if they got industrial lights down there. I am never going down there. No way. <laughs> yeah um, i don't know i i don't know i th i think i think i'm like i'm not saying i would do what these people are doing in this movie but i think there are scenarios with i don't know where i would be interested but man what these people are doing is a whole another level of of exploring you're i know you're quite the world traveler have you been to paris yeah i've been there three times yeah it's a cool cool city and there you know i i've always loved when um it's used in any way paris is used in any way and i think i think having that language used in a horror movie is awesome because it's such a beautiful language and when people are yelling in french it's just it, there's something about it that's like a little more intense <laughs> did you ever come even close to doing like a guided tour of the catacombs or anything no no i i went once with my family and the other two times was more on my own on my own wallet so i was really ah just i was really just walking around the city the other two times so um yeah but i i oh if anybody has a chance to go to paris it's such a large powerful vast city so many different kinds of people it's a beautiful place has its problems like anywhere but um yeah i i love it there i i've never been i would love to be to go there but if i go there I will never, I'm not going to the fucking catacombs. Yeah, no, <laughs> me neither. I saw me this neither. movie. Like, now it's yeah. doubled down. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'll stick with the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So before we get into the film, there are two things I'd like to briefly explain just to help everyone get a better handle on the movie. Yes. First up, The Philosopher's Stone. So The Philosopher's Stone has popped up in a lot of different pop culture media over the years, most famously as the object that Voldemort is hunting in the first Harry Potter book and film. The real Philosopher's Stone is a pipe dream of alchemy that was first mentioned historically in 300 AD. It supposedly has the power to turn base metals into gold and also produces the elixir of life, which can heal wounds and allow one to live forever. It was the ultimate goal of alchemy to create the Philosopher's Stone, and alchemy is a pseudo-faith-based science that began in the 12th century on several continents, mostly in uh, ancient Greece and uh, med- medieval England. And uh, the name most associated with the stone is Nicolas Flamel, a French philosopher and alchemist from the 14th century. Who gained a rep- stick. <laughs> he gained a reputation for being the only one to actually create the Philosopher's Stone and thus achieve eternal life. And there's no record of the stone ever actually existing, but Nicolas Flamel did exist. There's a record of him existing in France in the 14th century. No written down record if he was able to live forever. If he was, I'm sure we can, you know, go ask him. But no, as cool as it would be to create some mythical stone that can heal all wounds and give one the power to live forever, no, alchemy is pretty much bullshit, regrettably. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I would if I could. <laughs> I'd start turning shit into gold everywhere. I mean, why not? I feel like if this Damn. was, if you could do Damn. this, like, there'd be a, there'd be a lot, of, lot more, you know, people with just caches of gold. Yeah. Fan, golden fan. Blanket, of- golden blanket. <laughs> TV, golden TV. House, golden house. You know, yeah, everybody would just go overboard. But also, you know, there'd be a lot of really, really old looking people. With a lot of gold. <laughs> people who never talk to the press, people who you know, are reclusive, they have like no family. They're just like, they look 200 because they are 200. Just but no, cashing we, in on gold. Yeah, we don't have that. Maybe these are the guys who started those cash for gold places. <laughs> so yeah, alchemy, Philosopher's oh. Stone plays heavily into this film. And next, Dante's Inferno. So... I'm not going to go too much into Dante. I'm just going to kind of touch on the highlights for what's relevant to the film. Uh, Dante's Inferno is a 14th century epic poem, part one of the Divine Comedy, written by Dante Dante Alighieri. Part two is Purgatorio. Part three, Paradiso. Part one describes the poet's descent into the nine levels of hell. Dante is escorted by the poet Virgil into the depths of hell, which is represented by nine specific circles each of which correspond to a specific sin. The first circle is limbo, then lust, gluttony, greed, wrath, heresy, violence, fraud, and finally, treachery, where the devil himself is trapped in a river of ice. Now, we could do an entire podcast series about Dante. People have. But I just wanted you to understand some of the references in the film before we get started. Uh, Are you familiar with Dante? Like, have you read any Dante? Oh, yes. I, uh, big fan. Uh, did you ever play the video game? The I PlayStation fucking love video? that video game. Yeah, it was a, that was a good game. So it was. Yeah, I've always um, been fascinated by any story of anybody traveling to hell is like, uh, yeah, that's, that's super, in, I'm super interested by that, um, that kind of storytelling. Um, because, uh, partly because uh, it's amazing, you know, it's an amazing story, kind of way to tell stories, but 
because I, I, you know, I have a religious background. I have a pretty Christian background uh, growing up in the church. So it's interesting to read something that's going to the very depths of the most evil parts of that, you know, that very religion. So it, yeah. it is interesting. It, it's interesting because I've always been like, well, yeah, you named the seven, you know, seven circles. And it's like, well, it feels like Christians themselves kind of forget about a few of those, you know? <laughs> so I've, I've always been, yeah, I've always been interested. You, I think you need to know all sides of things to, to, uh, to properly understand and have a conversation with people. So yeah, I always, I always took it upon myself since I was a teenager to kind of, kind of read that darker stuff, you know, just for perspective. Something tells me you would make a very decent Jedi. <laughs> oh God. That's great. I, especially because I'm not even like into star Wars. So it'd be like, yeah, I'm perfect. Like here, throw him in there. <laughs> he doesn't even know what's going on. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, in college, I took a class on Dante. We talked about mostly Inferno. We touched a bit on uh, Purgatorio and Paradiso. But uh, we had a final paper that was 90% of our grade. <laughs> so I pulled out all the stops. And I, I, I didn't read a lot of, of uh, Dante, regrettably. I, was, I had other classes, and I knew this was an easy teacher. So I, 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 uh, I skated, but I had that paper. And uh, I spent... 15 pages uh, arguing that Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a modern day retelling of Dante's Inferno. <laughs> I love that. That's going to be in the class. So I obviously did well on the paper. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was such a great, I was so proud of that. <laughs> the divine comedy is yeah. Willy Wonka. <laughs> Wonka is Virgil. And Charlie is Dante, and all yes, the other kids, the Oompa Loompas, represent various levels of the uh, of hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, eh, I'm gonna I'm gonna break it, break that out, read read that over again because that was fun. But uh, yeah, the video game is where I first heard about Dante, and I from there I just kind of read the Cliff Notes, read a bit more in college. Yeah, it was it was the the book. I've had this book for it, like when the when that game came out, and I got this book, and it was just hand, you know, they kind of went hand in hand. I was like, this is fascinating, you know. Um, and and I have to give it up too. It wasn't just me being a you know, thirteen year old who's interested in this stuff. It was my, my older brother. My um, I have two older brothers, but one of them is very very interested in this stuff, and is the one who kind of got me into the you know the metal music, you know, Iron Maiden and this Black Sabbath that, that talk about, you know, really amazing stuff in their songs where you're like, whoa, you know, they're literally talking about heaven and hell. You know, it's really amazing. And um, yeah, I've always been fascinated by all that. That's, that's partly due to my older brother, for sure. I did, I, um, I did not grow up with a, uh, with a religious background or any really any emphasis on religion at all. I grew up in the kind of having to discover what I believed on my own kind of my, my family yeah. kind of made me get, make my own discoveries on faith and what I consider to be sacred. Yeah. And uh, I've always been fascinated by different mediums perception of hell and what yeah. people consider to be like the worst possible fate anybody can endure. Mm -hmm. And I was really surprised at the subtlety of as above, so below. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah it was very understated into like, it's not so much a hell where you're tortured for all eternity. It's a hell where you're just stuck. Like this is just it for you. And that, 
that that's that haunts me more than a lake of fire ever would. Well, yeah, it's uh, uh, <laughs> it's like weird or yeah. I mean, if you're still listening, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Going to dark places, but this is this is you know as above, so below. That's what the the content is. Yeah, I, I think. I think you, I think you hit it, hit it, you know, right on the head. It's um, the realism of just being stuck and like, Oh, this is it. Yeah. This is, this is, it's, we're just like in these, like un. it just never ends. We're just going to go in circles and like these bones and skulls and okay. Um, this sucks. Small, like labyrinth style tunnels that you have to crouch through to go and there's no light. You can't like stand up anywhere. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Just, yeah. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's a horror movie podcast. We were going to be talking about hell eventually. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, yeah, we've been, we, we've gone to darker places, so it'll <laughs> continue. Yeah, it'll continue. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So yeah. Philosopher's Stone, Dante, just a little bit of background knowledge to kind of pepper the episode. So as above, so below was written and directed by, John Eric Dowdle and Drew Dowdle, the minds behind such films as Quarantine, Devil, No Escape, and the absolutely horrifying mockumentary The Poughkeepsie Tapes. These guys are very good at found footage horror. <laughs> and uh, have you seen No Escape? Yes, I have. Whew. That's one of the most intense yeah. movies I've ever watched. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a, a fun one on this, this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Quarantine, I thought, was way better than I expected. I, I still prefer Record, but Quarantine was a decent Americanized remake of that. Yeah, I've seen Record, but I have not seen Quarantine yet. So I'll, I'll do that at some point. It's the same exact movie. It's just, yeah. That's what I've heard. In New yeah. York this time. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, what I've heard, yeah. Devil, I was not a fan of, but it's been about 10 years since I saw that movie. So maybe it's worth a rewatch. Yeah, you never know, right? Yeah. And the Poughkeepsie tapes fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah i was waiting for you to say that one. that's probably my favorite of all these titles Me too. Oh, jesus it's not a film i'm eager to watch again but it is a brilliant movie like i'll i'll do it again for the podcast yeah i will too but like not for fun like that movie was i mean i had to just kind of you know back up regroup and watch a few disney movies i was like this is <laughs> that was a bit much <laughs> and i have a high fucking tolerance for horror movie but that was too real yeah yeah, we're both pretty, pre, we're both pretty desensitized, and occasionally we we even get tripped up. Yeah. Oh man, I looked up the actors to make sure that I didn't just watch a snuff film. I had to be like, all right, did these guys do anything else? Are they still alive? <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed. One day we're gonna do the Poughkeepsie tapes, and it's gonna be a rough episode. The film stars Perdita Weeks as Scarlett Marlowe, explorer extraordinaire. Weeks has also appeared in such films as Ready Player One and Spice World, but she's popped up in TV series like Penny Dreadful, The Tudors, and the new Magnum P.I. series as Higgins. And she was really good. I liked her a lot as uh, Scarlett Marlowe. I mean, her decisions are questionable at times, but I, I liked her zeal. Yeah, I'm definitely in the boat where I'm like with Benji, where I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, to a certain <laughs> point, it's like, dude. <laughs> Like make some good decisions, but yeah, she is very good, and 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 her character being able to speak what is it? She she's able to speak four languages, um, living and two dead ones, and uh, yeah, her her fascination of her dad, and uh, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool character. 
Yeah. I think without her, this movie would be a lot less, uh, like you wouldn't have a lot of people to root for. You need like somebody to be like, you know, find that treasure. I mean, it's the greatest treasure known to man. I'm willing to sacrifice a few, you know, French club people. <laughs> it's yeah, uh, which, we're, which we got to talk about those French club people. <laughs> Papillon. So, um, yeah, I like her a lot. Uh, towards the end, it, it does get a little confusing as to like what she became, but we'll get to that. Uh, ben Feldman plays George translator with a fear of caves who consistently says he's not going despite getting right up to the edge of the cave and having to go in anyway. That made me laugh. And he's just like, I'm not coming even though I'm right here. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, oh, oh no, I'm not going in. Like, okay. We, we know you are. Come on. You're in the trailer. Stop it. And like you're just gonna walk right up to the entrance and then turn around. <laughs> Feldman has also appeared in 2009's Friday the 13th, Cloverfield, and he had a recurring role on Mad Men as Michael Ginsburg. Edwin Hodge plays Benji, the documentarian following Scarlet's exploits. Hodge has appeared in the first three Purge films, as well as the series Chicago Fire, Sleepy Hollow, and Mayans MC. Benji, I just feel bad for. He's just making a documentary and he gets sucked into hell. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Benji's the one we, we, we kind of relate to, right? Where we're just like, Oh shit. I'm the guy with the camera. Fuck. <laughs> you believe through all of that shit, they held on to the camera. Uh, yeah. That, that is, that is, that is one of the issues I have with, with the movie, how, how conveniently the camera is placed <laughs> as she's running through hell. Yeah. It's like right here. Like, okay, come on. <laughs> Oh my god, demons, run away! Oh my god! Yeah, ah. like we're, when when the fuck did you get a GoPro? <laughs> Make sure you get that wall. Ah. <laughs> but but there, but there are yeah yeah I mean it's not perfect but hey we're, we're it, it's 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 one little flaw. When it comes to found footage, you really have to suspend belief because they have to film it somehow. <laughs> you can't, yeah yeah I, yeah. They got to be, you know, the, the footage that was found in the woods, the, village, the, the footage that was found in the catacombs. Like, somebody's got to hold the camera. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think that's, you know, it's still, you think about it, it's really, what, a 20-year-old genre, right? So we still have yet to see the best of this subgenre, the found footage. I, I, think, I think so. I think we still have yet to see a creator come out and do the camera work the right way where you're like, holy shit, this isn't just good for uh, found footage. It's just good no matter what, you know? At least they didn't do like that movie, The Pyramid did, where it was the similar, it was similar to this with caves, but they had a score that was like, you can't have both. You can't be a found footage film and a traditional. You need to pick a a lane. And that movie was so, just such a disaster because it had no idea what it wanted to do. Distasteful, yeah. Finally, we have Francois Seville as Papillon, the catacombs yes. navigator. <laughs> my man, my man from Frank. I love this guy in Frank. He cracks me up. <laughs> he also appeared in the Rosemary's Baby miniseries remake as Jacques. And uh, yeah, he's, I, I thought I was going to hate him, but I like this guy a lot. Me too. I, I actually, I, I like love him as the movie moves along. Yeah, at first he's in the club and he's like, I said, okay. And then, and then as it moves along, there's a couple times where he's like, I told you, we don't go, <laughs> I'm telling you, don't go that way. 
And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's funny watching his reactions. Oh, for sure. As above, so below has an IMDb score of 6.2 and a surprisingly low Rotten Tomatoes score of 26%. It was a surprisingly decent hit, grossing about $42 million on a budget of $5 million. So it made its money. It was a decent hit for a horror flick. But it's been, you know, consistently panned for six years now. And it's not perfect, but it is not a bad movie. No. And let's get into it. So... We open on Scarlett Marlowe speaking into her camera saying she has come to Iran to search for a piece of history that is about to be lost in a catacomb that's about to be demolished by the government. She tells the camera she understands she's putting herself in great danger and potential execution by the Iranian government by trespassing where she's not supposed to be. But Swarley says they'll have to catch me first. So in that little bit, we know that she is willing to sacrifice anything, including her own life, for the truth, for finding these, this lost artifact, whatever she's after. She's intrepid. She's dangerous. And we see her go to the home of a man called Reza, who is help, who's going to help her. His home has an access path to the catacomb that she wants to go into. And he says they have to be quick as the government cannot see them and demolition is about to happen. They go down there. They notice soldiers are down there. They hide and wait until they pass by. Reza wants to leave. He's afraid for his family. Scarlet begs for a few minutes. And they find the inscription that she was looking for. She starts reading it. She takes a chisel to it, knocks it down, finds a, 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 a chamber with a bull statue inside of it called the Rose Key. It's covered in markings. Scarlet starts filming it, the entire statue, as the alarms start blaring. They are about to bomb this thing right now, but she, is, she needs to film this statue. It's, she's, uh, her father's spent his entire life searching for this statue. Uh, Reza runs out. Scarlet says she'll be right behind him. She gets the rest of the statue on film, and as she starts running out, the blasting happens. and She dodges debris and runs out of there just before the, the tunnel collapses. It's pretty ballsy. Yeah, no kidding. She's, she's a... <laughs> She's fucking Laura Croft, bro. Yeah, straight up. Scarlett tells Reza she got the markings on film and now has the next step to finish her father's work. And Reza cautions her, saying, your father went mad looking for the Philosopher's Stone. And it's, the second he said that, I was like, hmm? I perked up, like, this is a different movie than I expected. What are we about to get? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, later, we see Scarlett being interviewed for a documentary by a cameraman named Benji... She explains that her mission is to find the Philosopher's Stone, a mythical item that can turn metal into gold and grant eternal life to anyone who possesses it. And Benji asks about her father and how his work possibly led to his suicide. Scarlett is reluctant to talk about this and doesn't kind of deflects it. She doesn't want to talk about her father. But his, his death is clearly casting a very large shadow over her work. And... Uh, Scarlett and Benji are in Paris. They go to the home of Nicholas Flamel, a famed alchemist who was uh, rumored to have the stone, used it for immortality, when they got to his crypt. And uh, grave, robber, grave robbers apparently opened the caskets of Nicholas Flamel and his wife, hoping to find the stone, only to find empty caskets, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> I wonder if, like, if that's a true story. <laughs> um. 
Scarlet says the location of the stone was said to be hidden in code on Flamel's gravestone, but she can't translate the language. It's Aramaic, but she knows somebody who can. This, this, this was weird, I'll admit. So Scarlet breaks into a church to find George, who breaks into places and fixes things. He's like a handy Banksy. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's, that's the best that way is, to describe this guy. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> but also he speaks Aramaic. I, I mean, what the fuck? Okay, sure. Yeah, George is extremely valuable. Yeah, the guy can do fucking everything except go into caves. <laughs> and then when uh, he does, he, like, survives for, yeah. Yeah. Well, he dies once, but, you know. Yeah, that's, that's why I said survives. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah. So they go to the top of the church clock tower and they find George, and George is not happy to see Scarlet, telling Benji that the last time they were together, he got locked up in a Turkish prison. And she's like, hey, you know, like, who, ha- who hasn't? It happens to all of us. It was more of a jail. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> and Scarlet then tells him she found the rose key and needs translations. And he immediately is like, shit, you went to Iran. Like, why would you do that? And she's like, you know why. George finishes fixing the clock. They go outside to hear the clock ring for the first time in almost 300 years. And everyone's just like, oh, staring in awe at this clock. George looks at Scarlet and says, all right, I'm in. I'll help you translate it, but that is it. Then I'm out. Uh, okay, all right there. If the clock wouldn't have started working, would he, would he have accepted? Or he'd yeah. have been like, ah, uh, or he'd have been like, ah, uh, I still got shit to do right here. <laughs> you mean you would have just been like, I got to fix this clock. We'll talk again. We'll talk later. Yeah, text me next week. <laughs> and she's like, no, I need this now. And he's like, oh, you got to find somebody else. Shit, maybe. <laughs> go go talk to Fred. He he also knows Aramic and can fix random things as well. I think the most incredulous part of this is that people would stop and look at the clock because I guarantee you, none of them gave a shit about this church or even knew that their clock was not working for three hundred years. Normal people don't care about things like that. Yeah, they're just look. They just look at their phone for the time. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think George was going to be in regardless the second he, she said Rose Key. Because he has feelings for her? Or... A, he has feelings for her. B, the Rose Key validates the path. That means that there is something at the end of this rainbow. So The path. Yeah. I think that, yeah, this was always going to happen this way. When night falls, they go back to Flamel's tomb, look at the grave marker. They try to translate the markings. Scarlet deduces that what it says is that it's on the back. So she picks up the, t- the headstone, lays it down, and George is like, what the hell are you doing? I'm not going to, j- to jail again for this. And uh, she figures out there's a chemical reaction that will uh, reveal a, a message. And they, she does it. They do it, and they get a riddle. And she figures out that where they got to go is the catacombs. Benji, who's been with them this whole time, we forget that. <laughs> I always, love, I always forget about that in these movies. Like, while we're watching everything, the camera dude is in the movie just standing there watching this happen. Just, like, <laughs> eating chips, like, hey. Yeah, it's funny. I think Cloverfield did that the best. Where we just, yeah. like, keep forgetting that T.J. Miller is there the whole time, just filming all this for no reason. 
Uh, Clo- Cloverfield is is definitely one that's better on a rewatch. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um. So Benji, Scarlet, and George look at a map trying to find an access point they can get to. And they figure out that in the old days, people believed that hell was 741 feet down from Earth. So they need to be halfway between Earth and hell underneath Flamel's tomb to find the stone. The catacombs make sense. George remembers that in three spots around Paris, cave-ins caused 100 feet of ground to collapse inward on what looked like a hidden path. So Benji and Scarlet go on a sanctioned catacomb tour. Scarlet points out to Benji exactly where they need to have, they need to enter, but it's closed off. And a teenager who's just sitting around tells him, tells Scarlet to find Papillon and then just disappears. <laughs> and uh, we know what we find out why later. <laughs> Benji, Jordan, Scarlet go to a nightclub where Papillon is at. Benji notices a strange girl that locks eyes with him intently. So many little hints. This movie's written so well. <laughs> and uh, Scarlet tells Papillon about the hidden catacomb. And initially he's like, you're crazy. And then she's like, there's treasure. And he's like, can I have half? And they're like, you can have all of it. And George's like, whoa, 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 half. Is, yeah, you can have half. <laughs> and he's like, I'm in. And this guy has a whole team. Like, he does this shit a lot. He traverses the catacombs for, like, just for kicks. And we meet the group. There's Papillon's friend Susie and Zed. Benji asks about Papillon's scars on his hand, and Zed says, we don't talk about that. It's like a burn mark. And uh, as they prepare, George consistently reminds Scarlet that he's not going with them, but she convinces him to at least follow them to the entrance. And uh, of course he's going to be there. Yeah, yeah, come on. When they get there, Benji turns on cameras on each of their lights so they can all record what's happening. I got to say, though, this, like, when this is all over, I really hope they release the documentary. Because, <laughs> shit. I mean, they're going to change the world. <laughs> um, George sees the small hole they're going through, and it's like, fuck this. No, no, no. It's this tiny little entrance, like, in a tunnel, in a subway tunnel. And it's fucking crazy. And they keep the answer one by one. George is like, all right, I'll see you. And then a cop runs out of fucking nowhere and tackles Papillon. And it really just happened like, what the fuck are you doing? And the guy just like jumped him. It was, it was ridiculous. The French. Um, <laughs> apparently this is like the worst crime you could commit in France is going into an unsanctioned tunnel. <laughs> so while Papillon is fighting the cop, the George flees into the tunnel with the group. He's got nowhere else to go. Papillon gets away from the cop, pops a smoke grenade so the cop won't follow them in. And now they go to work. They walk like 10 feet into the tunnel and the, the cop is just like, well, I guess they're out of reach and walks away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to go have a cigarette and a kolache. What am I doing? I think the cop was like one of the, one of the hell demons, like trying to edge them into the, into the portal, into the, like the portal. He needed to get George in there. Yeah. Probably, but we explain for why sure. he vanished. For sure. I mean, we've seen, you know, from other bits in the movies that these things are not restrained to the catacombs. They can, they can come out. <laughs> um, so Scarlet apologizes to George for making him come in here. George doesn't want to talk about it. He has a problem with caves. His brother drowned in a cave when they were kids. 
And uh, that comes up later too. The group begins to go down the catacombs. They get up to a split path and Papillon notices that the left path they'd have to, uh, they'd have to swim to. It's a cool room, but it's not the way they're going. They take the right path, continue on. As they walk, they hear this, this was fucking creepy. They hear a disturbing chanting and they look through some openings and some rocks and they see a group of women in like a weird ritual. And suddenly like one of them gazes at Benji and he freaks out. It's the lady from the club. This was Ugh. weird and never comes up again. Which I, which I kind of like. I kind of like that it's just like, ah, <laughs> weird, weird little creepy image for you. Yeah, you can and, kind and, of... This is this is such a cool part of the movie to me because you have you have Pappy who's explaining like oh there's just crazy people down here like oh my god even he's like avoided really looking at what's going on in the catacombs because he's been down there right and he's just like selfish and wants to find shit for himself so he's like oh you know whatever like there's just crazy people down here like are you serious man crazy people that's some fucking satanic shit going on like. <laughs> Uh, are they worshiping the devil? Are they worshiping God, trying to ward off this dark place? Are they just doing their own thing? What the fuck is going on? Either way, I don't want to know. No, especially now. I don't want them, you know, looking at me like that. God damn. And um, I like that bit where we get to see Pappy's, like, tag, his graffiti tag. He's like, ah, see, I tag where I've been. And then later on in the catacombs, we see that tag, and they're like, are you fucking kidding me? And he's like, I didn't do that. I don't know what's going on. He's like, I haven't been here. (laughs) Hmm. They come to another crossroads and Papillon says they have to take a path where they will have to crawl over a path of bones, just stacked human remains. And Benji's like, absolutely fucking not. And Scarlett points out another path and says it's going to save them hours. And Papillon freezes up a little and says, absolutely not. That is an evil path. We will never ever go that way. Scarlet continues to argue, but Papillon tells her he knows the catacombs better than she ever will. And yeah, admittedly, I would follow that guy through the catacombs. He's been here. He knows where he's going, supposedly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they said that they had a friend named uh, Latope, the mole, of course, who knew every bit of the catacombs, everything charted, everything uncharted, except that path. He didn't go down there. Except one time he got curious, went down there, and they never saw him again. He vanished. But I love that. He's just like, I will never go down there. And then one time he's like, well, let's check it out. <laughs> like, what? Dude, and, and how about um, that actor's name is Cosmo Kramer. He's uh, playing a Latop as he comes in. Just very creepy performance. Yeah, for sure. That was creepy. Well, he's supposed to be like an unclaimed soul of limbo. Yeah, dude. So dark. Yeah. Did you say Cosmo Kramer? No, Cosma. I don't know what his last name is. Castro. 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 Cosmo Castro. Yeah, Cosma. I thought I said. Yeah. Um, it'd be awesome if Kramer just showed up in the middle of this movie. I I would love that. That'd be great. Just opens up a stone. It's like, hey, what's what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> Checking out the catacombs. Oh, I know. And, 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 you, and you hear everybody start clapping, like <laughs> the audio track and everything. Oh. That'd be, that'd be so great. I love that. I love that uh, how they fuck with that in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, where they got <laughs> those different little audio bits going on. Great stuff. 
You get a actually you get a little bit of that in this. You just randomly like there's one point where Benji's trapped in the bones and you hear that fucking chanting again. <laughs> oh, dude, so messed up. <laughs> please tell them. Please tell them to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so George talks to Scarlet and tells her, you know, Papillon knows what he's doing. He's the guy we should be following here. And if you, you know, being a little more patient means keeping everyone safe. Maybe we do the right thing here. So they move through the, the bone path and Benji gets stuck. Claustrophobia sets in. And this part was unnerving as fuck. Cause you can feel the, the tightness. You can feel the, the restraint and he's just panicking and Scarlett's trying to tell him to move down. And he's like, I can't move down. I'm stuck. Just freaking out. Oof. Creepy. Ridiculous. She manages to calm down. He finally crawls through, but his actions cause a tunnel collapse and he barely makes it through alive. That was crazy. Just, crawling through like holding onto the camera and crawling through this tunnel collapse and then they they get there and it's the same place they just came from yeah they went they went in a circle and benji benji as he's about to possibly uh, meet his parish he's like take the camera take it take it what a a true documentarian right there (laughs) horror movie logic i love it where would we be without it (laughs) Well, yeah, we wouldn't have a lot of movies. We would not. There'd be like four. <laughs> Two of them would suck. <laughs> There'd be four. <laughs> so now they're pissed. They think Papillon led them through bullshit. And he's like, I don't know what happened. We did, there were no turns. We didn't go. There, there weren't any turns. So they're like, well, now we don't have a choice. We have to go through the bad path. And Papillon does not want to go do this, but the rest of the group overrules him because they don't have a choice. The other way is closed off. As they walk through, they see Papillon's graffiti tag. And Scarlet's like, are you fucking kidding me? You said you've never been here. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I haven't. I don't know what this is, but it's not me. Like, he is freaked. And (laughs) suddenly, this was so weird. They hear a phone ringing. (laughs) Yeah, dude. And George is like, were there phone lines here? And Papillon's like, yeah, but they were taken out. They keep hearing it. And uh, George sees a sign that confirms they're in the area where the ground collapsed and 100 people dropped to their deaths. Papillon confirms this and says that when they went in to fix this, 50 more people vanished. 50. A lot of this movie that is so creepy is the way they talk about things that happened. Like, you don't see much in this movie. It's really all about implication. And I love that. yeah. Yeah, and if you if you you don't can't put that in your head and really picture these things, then yeah, then it's going to be tough to grapple with it. Yeah, I mean, I knew a bit about the Paris catacombs before seeing this movie, so I was already a little bit freaked out. Like, you know, yeah, so there's miles of uncharted territory down there, so who knows what the fuck is underneath Paris? Yeah, <laughs> creepy. Scarlet keeps hearing the phone ring. She goes searching for it. She finds a rotary phone sitting on a table, and Nobody kind of reacts to this. Like, there's a fucking phone six, seven hundred feet under the earth ringing. And Scarlet answers it, and she hears a disembodied voice on the other end. It's her dad. We're pretty sure it's her dad. Because it's the phone call she ignored. And uh, she slams the phone down in a fright. The group then looks further down the path, only to find fucking Latope. The mole guy who vanished. Yeah. And Papillon's like, you know, it's him. And they're like, I thought he was dead. He's like, he was dead. We never found him. And the Tope's like, you didn't look for me. He's like, I'm sorry. 
it's, it's a creepy moment. And he asks if they're looking for a way out. And the group says yes. And they start following him after he says the only way out is down. <sighs> he directs them to a well. And they start setting up to rappel down it. As George is going down, Benny preps to go down next. His rope breaks and he falls and smashes into George. In the process, he fucks up his hands by sliding down on the rope. And uh, Scarlet bandages them up. Almost like a stigmata kind of thing going on, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, religious imagery in this movie is just through the fucking roof. When all six are down the well, they walk down a narrow corridor with an opening in the middle where water flows. Suddenly the noise around them distorts, making it hard for them to hear. They hear loud banging noises, and in the confusion, the camera catches the image of a small child. At the end of the path, there appears to be another dead end. George and Scarlet find some carvings in the stone and realize it's carved like an Egyptian tomb. And in order to get out of this, they have to press the right stone figuring out figure out the inscription and if they don't guess the right stone the whole thing will collapse and kill all of them because that's yeah. how the egyptian pharaoh's tombs were made like you know for to fuck up grave robbers and they guess the right stone the door opens the group enters the door and they find a well-preserved corpse in templar armor a like six seven eight hundred year old corpse that looks like he died a week ago Ugh. now is this supposed to I, I assume this was Nicholas Flamel, but I mean, it could just be any old Templar knight. Yeah, but you'd like to think it's it's headless Nick, right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Scarlet sees inscriptions on the wall that prove that they are like the stone is real, and on a hunch, she makes the group turn off their lights, and she sees a light coming from the floor, finds an underwater chasm that she crosses into. And she finds a treasure room and a wall with markings. The rest of the group come over and they celebrate because they're rich. They found the gold. They found Nicholas Flamel's treasure room. Scarlet looks at the wall, reads about a myth about the birth of the sun and his envy of his, of his parents' love. It's an Egyptian myth about the moon and the sun. And what does she find in the wall? The Philosopher's Stone. She did it. It's, <laughs> it's fucking crazy. I, I was expecting this all to be like a wild goose chase and like you know, Flamel actually like sealed in like demons or something like that. But she found it. It's real. She chips it out of the wall. And she thinks it's interesting that this priceless artifact is next to so much treasure. And then she realizes the treasure's a trap. It's just like the Goonies. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. What a great, what a great, um, you know, plot device there. Yeah. She's like, no, no. And they are just ripping the gate out of the wall. And as soon as they do, the whole fucking room collapses. Yeah. <sighs> Classic. The group shook up, but they're alive. They drag Susie out of the rubble, and her arm got fucked up. Scarlet uses some pieces from the Philosopher's Stone and heals her wound. <laughs> Everyone's like, fuck. <laughs> that and shit's real. Yeah, it, magic is real. Like, how do you comprehend the world now, knowing that? Knowing that? That's insane. Voldemort really did need this. Yeah. You think he was just going to eat it? He probably was going to eat yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I have nothing to back that up. This is what I assumed Voldemort was going to do. Yeah, it just seems like something he'd do, just gobble that shit down. You know why? I think it's because when I saw Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone as a kid, I thought the, I thought the stone looked a lot like a ring pop. So I just assumed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I never said I was a smart child. 
<laughs> Good old Harry Potter. Uh, so they realize that Latope is probably dead, killed in the cave-in. They don't see his body, so they just move on, trying to find a new way out. Scarlet and George find the back door after they see this carving of the phrase, as above, so below, which is apparently the defining phrase of alchemy. It means, you know, Whoa. it will be on earth as it is in heaven. You know, up is down, black is white. Everything is equal and opposite. It's supposed to be, you know, the world is what you make of it. It's a crazy... Oof, bonkers. So they realize that since there's a door carved on the on the roof or the ceiling, there's probably a door carved in the ground, and they find this passage in the ground. <laughs> it's a lot to unpack in this movie. Uh, it's so much, and it it is um, every little little action that they take, you really can dissect, which is what's great about this IMDb plot synopsis, where. Uh, you can look at everything and interpret it as, yeah, they're they're slowly being led to hell, right? And then they're in it and going through these just fucking super challenging obstacles as they try to find this this fucking this stone, this apparently all powerful stone. It's amazing. This would make a bitch in video game. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I thought that so much. I was like, especially now, um, you know, with the new gen coming out, like PS Five. Fuck, man. A, a, a game where, yeah, you're just trapped in hell trying to get out with your friends would be pretty cool. Especially if they make, if they finally, you know, perfect VR, this would be perfect for that. There you go. Jeez, I don't know if I want to do that. You gotta... <laughs> it's going to fuck you up, but it's going to be a fun yeah. game. <laughs> that's, that's some shit uh, Charlie and Mac would get lost in on It's Always Sunny. What would happen is they keep fucking up because Mac would keep trying to get the treasure and then they yeah. die in the cave-in every single and time. Charlie, Charlie would be like, I am the master of the catacombs. He'd be the idiot who eats the fucking stone. <laughs> yeah, but he, you, you know, Charlie, he would live in the catacombs. He'd be like, yeah, this is like comfortable to me. It's like big, <laughs> it's like big sewers. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, he's like, this is just, yeah, yeah, I do this all the time. Damn it. Uh, so... They find a new opening. They start crawling through, and George finds an inscription. And this gave me goosebumps so hard. This inscription reads, Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Which, according to Dante, is the, the phrase that is inscribed at the gates of hell. <laughs> Abandon all hope. Ah, man. It was, oh, the second he said that, I was like, fuck, this is about to get real. <laughs> and I was right. Papillon is really freaked out, but they have no choice. They have to go through this path. And it's a small little cavern. And George makes the comment of, you know, they entered through hell on their bellies. And it's just, oof. everyone's just super unnerved. And no one wants to say what everyone's thinking. <laughs> Why did we do this? <laughs> We're doing this for a documentary and a, and a stone, a magic stone. <laughs> a stone from Harry Potter. I don't <laughs> Somebody had to have been thinking that. I, oh, yeah. I, I really wish Benji would have at one point been like, like I don't even like the movies. <laughs> you know, something stupid like that. Like, Why am I here? I don't even like Harry Potter. I've never even fucking read the books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I wish. I wish. (laughs) 
They come out the other side and they realize it looks like the room they just exited, but everything is opposite or upside down. And Papillon sees the way they came in has completely disappeared. And that's when he snaps and asks Scarlet if they're dead. <laughs> She's like, no. But he's like, are we in hell? Is, are we dead? Ugh. And that's are when he's dead. <laughs> Susie Zed's sees. Zed's dead, baby. <laughs> Zed's dead. Zed's in. Zed makes it. <laughs> I, I know. I know. The irony. Uh, Susie sees Latope and is startled by him. She goes, uh, tries to go up to him, see if he's okay. He freaks out, grabs her by the throat, and bashes her skull in on the rocks, like very fast and very viciously. Nice. Yeah, nice. They go to help Susie. Latope is gone. Papillon begs Scarlet to use the stone to heal Susie, but it doesn't work because you can't resurrect the dead with this. She's already gone. Hmm. They begin to walk. Scarlet sees a noose hanging, only to look again and see that it's gone. The group realizes that everything they are experiencing now is a mirror image of what they've already done, and they're just going deeper, deeper into the earth. The group finds another well and rappels down. As Benji gets ready to go down, he hears a baby cry. He turns around and yells if anyone is there. He looks again. The same woman he's been seeing over and over again screams, charges him, hurls his ass down the well. He hits yeah. the ground dead. Camera is fine. And camera's okay. Camera's okay. I camera's see, okay. The at this point, he's gonna be okay. At this point, Benji the documentarian is dead. We don't need the camera anymore, logically. I mean, but Scarlett's like, we need to document this. I'm gonna save this. <laughs> for Benji. For Benji, it's what he would have wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the way he? held that camera as he was being squashed by those bones earlier. This is a man who valued filmmaking above his own life. We have to finish this for Benji. Not for me, but for Benji. I would love if at the end of it, they're like, oh shit, we didn't press record. <laughs> it's just like, ah, oh, damn. Fuck. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, Scarlet's now horrified because her expedition has now caused two deaths. Three if you count Latope, but he might have already been dead. George pulls her along, saying they need to keep moving. They cross another path of bones. As George is going over it, he sees his brother Danny drowning beneath them. He freaks out, tries to get through the bones, and Scarlet's like, it's not real. And why would Danny be in the catacombs? He died in a cave elsewhere. They cross over the path. They see a light in the distance. They get closer, and it's a fire, a big-ass car on fire. They turn the corner. A young man's inside it, and he, uh, he turns and looks at Papillon. And he screams, no, it wasn't my fault. An invisible force pulls Papillon towards the car. <laughs> Papillon is pulled into the flaming wreck. The car crumples into a ball and disappears, leaving Papillon buried alive with his legs sticking out of the ground. Yep. It's getting serious. Scarlet and George try to get him out, only to realize it's too late. He's dead. So now we just got Scarlet, George, and Zed. Zed is, I thought he was going to be the first to go. I never would have thought he was going to make it through the whole movie. When, when Zed decides to audaciously do a Robert De Niro impersonation in the van <laughs> towards the beginning of the film, I was like, this is my guy. <laughs> fuck. 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 <laughs> he, just, he just says the F word twice. That's all he does. <laughs> 
<laughs> he just lowers his eyebrows like <laughs> beautiful. Like, like it's 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 the equivalent of fucking Dave Franco and Neighbors. You're, you're just like, <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> so good, beautiful. <laughs> so they car- they keep going down the catacombs, and this time they see a robed figure. Knowing it's it's not good. Not good when you go a thousand feet into the earth and you just see a guy in a robe walking around. Something bad's about to happen. They hide a corner and George talks to Scarlet and says, whatever happens, a week in Turkey was the best week of my life. And she says mine too. I thought they were going to kiss. They didn't. Uh, yeah, Zed, Zed, Zed's kind of an awkward third wheel there at that point. It's like, hey, we, we, we also have this guy here that you know, he, he probably cares about surviving. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't take a make-out break here. <laughs> Probably a good idea. I mean, he's got to live to do another De Niro impersonation. <laughs> he has to carry on the legacy of Papillon and his cave diving. <laughs> he's in charge of the operation now. He's all that's left. Oh, man. Uh, I wonder if he carried on the, the, the graffiti tag, but now it just says Zed with an exclamation point. <laughs> Zed was here. <laughs> Zed's not dead. <laughs> Zed's oh, been to hell and back. Beat that. <laughs> I would, dude, if I made it out of this, I would constantly brag that I've been to hell and I walked out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Don't yeah. Believe I mean, me, watch the documentary. <laughs> it's on, stand on me up, Prime. Stand me up at the gates of hell, you know, but I won't back down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, he seems totally is... like the the guy to speak tom petty lyrics talking about yeah. his his time in hell That's you beautiful. can stand me up at the rest in peace tom you're great straight <laughs> oh so this robed figure sits in a big old in a, in a chair yeah i to be a throne so this is the devil <laughs> and uh he gets up after a minute, looks at him, and they run. So, in, yeah, that's what I would do if I looked at the devil. The, 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 that's one of my favorite parts of this entire synopsis is the three of them look at the robed figure as he sits in a chair. He gets up after a minute and looks at them. The three run. <laughs> <laughs> Go! This is Satan. I mean, he hasn't talked to anybody in a long time. Maybe he was just awkward. Like, oh, people, uh... I better get up shit. and talk. Oh, no, wait, where are you? Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, I, I, let me go change. Like, let me at least go change. Do you, do you, do you want anything to drink? Do you, you know, you, you like, you like water? Do you like sparkling water? What, what? I've got cave <laughs> water. I've got rock dust. What, any, would you like? <laughs> I've, sorry, I wasn't expecting guests, um, especially three of you. You're usually, none of you make it here, so. Yeah. Most of <laughs> you die in the cave-ins. <laughs> Yeah, mostly you just panic and die from freaking out. So, like that butterfly guy. Congrats. Uh, those of you don't know, Papillon is French for butterfly. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, if you want more um, fun facts, <laughs> you can. Uh, you can. You. We'll have some more film guys and facts. Probably not up to that caliber, but uh, we'll have them later. Yeah. yeah, we're not going to teach you how to speak French. That's not the podcast for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Teach you Papillon, and we can teach you, well, Papillon. That's all I got today. (laughs) Next French movie we do, we'll have more French for you. 
So yeah. they run from the devil. They take a breather on a wall that has stone figures built into the walls. Demons. The stone figures come to life and attack them. One of them bites George. And according to the trivia, the demon that bites George is Cain. In the walls. I guess in this scene, you can also see Judas Iscariot is in the wall as well. Scarlet and Zed drag him away. Scarlet tries to use the stone to heal George, but it's not working. She realizes now that reality is opposite, and she never had the real stone. So this gets a little confusing. Uh, so I'll do my best to talk about what I, you know, what it says happened here, what I think happened here. She decides she has to go back to the wall where she found it and put it back and get the real stone. She tells Zed to watch George while she backtracks to the wall. Zed's afraid. Scarlet tells him if she doesn't go, George is going to die. So they've been through quite a lot. So for her to just figure out how to get back to the treasure room is kind of incredible and a little ridiculous. It reminded me a lot of how HBO's Game of Thrones decided to, to throw away the entire brilliant plot device that they had of time and, and traveling and how it would take episodes to get from one place to another. And then all of a sudden, in the later seasons, they're like, fuck that. We're just going to make it happen in 10 minutes. And, that, and, and, and when that happens in movies, it's like, oh, my God, really? You're going to – come on. Don't be lazy. You're, the movie's almost over. <laughs> like, you realize that in order to do this, you had to go back into the devil's room and just kind of evade him? Just, just, <laughs> just, just, go, just go past? Yeah. She had to yeah, climb this up. Is, this isn't fucking Jumanji. Yeah. How did she climb up the well? I, I don't know. I, yeah, that, that, that part definitely didn't take me out of it because it's so intense at that time, but it was just kind of like, huh, that was quick. And through all this, Zed is holding George's throat and there's deep rock demons everywhere. Like, <laughs> so she backtracks to the catacombs at the spot where the water flowed through the floor. It's been replaced with blood and hands reach out trying to grab her. Scarlet then comes across a hooded figure hanging from a rope, supposed to be a hallucination of her father. When she takes the hood off, she finds herself metaphor. She runs off and finds the wall where she found the stone. I love how, how just vague that is. She runs away and finds the wall. <laughs> she puts it back in place, but she doesn't know where the real stone is. She looks at the wall and finds a large gold orb at the center. She wipes some dust off and sees her reflection. It's not said in the movie, but this reveals to her that her earlier words as above, so below, as I believe the world to be, so it is, is literal in this mirrored world. She is the Philosopher's Stone. She has the power, I guess. To just run through stone figures. Yeah. Fuck the devil. I have the power. And she goes back to George, but on her way there, she sees her father again. She gets up close and tells her that she's sorry she didn't take his call the night he killed himself. She didn't know he was that sick. His image disappears. She runs back to where George and Zed are. And what this implies is, so in Dante, the way you escape hell is repent your sins. Repent and believe that you are sorry. Be sorry, and you will escape. I don't know if I like that. There's a lot of assholes who belong in hell, and I don't care if they apologize. <laughs> um, uh, so Zed asks if she got the stone. Scarlet says yes. She puts her hands on George's neck and kisses him. When she pulls her hands away, the wounds are healed. Nobody questions this. Uh, the stone figures are chasing them. They continue deeper into the catacombs. They find another well, but this time they have, you know, they don't have repelling equipment. They have to jump. 
And Scarlet says the only way they can survive is confess. She she figures out what's going on here. She realizes they're in hell, being tormented for their guilt about past incidents. Scarlet feels guilty about her father. Zed had a child he refused to acknowledge, and George's brother Danny drowned when he couldn't get back in time for help. So now that they've confessed, they take a leap of faith, they jump, and they make it. They survive. They, they're bruised, but they, they got out. Well, kind of. They look around. Zed doesn't see any exits. He freaks out, but they find a manhole on the, on the ground, and they push it open, and they find themselves back on the streets of Paris. They've literally, like, the world has shifted. They get in there, or they go in the manhole, and they're, they're on the floor. I mean, they're, on the, they're in the streets of Paris. They close the manhole, and now they're all, like, just shocked and traumatized by having gone through hell. They embrace, and they just kind of stand there as, you know, as you would if you just walked out of, if you just climbed out of hell. The final scene is Scarlett's interview with Benji from earlier. She says that uh, some people think she's going after the stone for fame and fortune, but what she really wants is the truth. She's a truth seeker. That's all she wants. She wants to know that her father didn't die for nothing. Yeah. And that is as above, so below. It's a very uh, intense movie. <laughs> very much so. Not just, not, not just a uh, random night. Yeah, you've you got to be ready for this one, be, be in the mood. It is... Uh, it's found footage, so it's got all over the place at times, and um, definitely a, a certain kind of atmosphere that's very, very anxiety-ridden and super, super dark uh, source material. And yeah, yeah, I like it overall, man. I, I give it personally a seven. I think it's got some issues with just you know some, some of the way the camera works. Yeah. There's times where it's a little too convenient, and then that 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 exact thing we pointed out with her, it's, it's seemingly traveling back. Uh, pretty easily. That's just a couple issues I have, and I do think um, if I watch this, you know, a few more times, I think it could rise uh, in its score. But yeah, for now, I'd give it a seven. It, it's it's solid. It's definitely worth re a reevaluation for sure. Right on. I uh, I give it an eight. I think I think it's a brilliant modern day retelling of Dante. I don't think it spoon feed the audience. I think it's yeah. incredibly creepy and unsettling, and I I really thought it was a surprise. Granted, I went in with very low expectations, so to have those be, you know, higher was was a treat. Hell yeah. And uh, let's get into the filmgasm facts. Yes. Number one, the movie was actually filmed in the catacombs, not on a set. Fuck that. (laughs) Good lord. No way. Oh my god. Absolutely not. Jesus. Number two. Ben Feldman, who plays George, actually suffers from minor claustrophobia. He had to keep taking breaks to cope with it. God, how deep do you think they went? I mean, like how many feet or are we talking miles? Are we talking? <laughs> maybe this is the, maybe we watched the documentary. Maybe this really happened. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Maybe. Shit. <laughs> But it was so crazy that nobody, they didn't think anybody would believe it, so they disguised it as a horror movie. Yeah, and Pappy was able to pop up in Frank, but we won't talk about that. Maybe, maybe he filmed that before this. There, there you go. Uh, number three, the cave with the writing, all, abandon all hope, ye who enter here, is not actually the gates of hell, as some believe. The actual gates of hell 
is the hidden entrance that Papillon uses to smuggle them into the catacombs. Shortly after the group enters, Papillon instructs they climb up through bones. As they climb, the tunnel collapses behind them and the group ends up in the same room they were just in. Their only option is to listen to Latope, who says the only way out is down. In Dante's Inferno, once Dante enters hell, he is unable to leave the same way he came. He must continue downward through hell, where the only exit is at the very bottom of hell, which is exactly what happens to the group. So the gates of hell are not that little cave after the treasure room. It's the, the dark path that Pappy didn't even want to go down. Hmm. Ooh, that's freaky, because that just tells you how long they were in hell. <laughs> Jesus, The whole dude. goddamn movie. Yeah. So how, how did Flamel get out? Did he hide his stone in hell? He's just, fuck, man. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Yeah, made sure no one would find it. That's for damn sure. <laughs> you don't just accidentally wander into hell. Well, most people, Latope did, but most people don't. Yeah, Latope was like, I think I'm going to go that way. Shit. Haven't been that way ever. Better go down there, even though I've been avoiding that for years. Because it's haunted. Number four. The stone that Scarlet takes is a fake that can only be used once. The actual Philosopher's Stone is something more, something deeper. It can only be received when one has rectified the mistake of taking the fake stone. When Scarlet returns the fake stone, she looks into a mirror and leaves. The real Philosopher's Stone is not an actual stone at all. The real stone can be found inside oneself. Its power rests in the belief of the stone, the belief in oneself and the faith of God. When Scarlet stares into the mirror, her faith actually turns her into the Philosopher's Stone. So I guess you could say that the real treasures actually are the friendships you make along the way. So yeah, eight. Uh, decent flick. I, I will watch this again. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I do think it's uh, 100% worth a revisit from horror fans. Yes, indeed. And that takes us into the spotlight where we talk about some of the films we've been watching outside the podcast. So why don't you start us off? What have you been checking out? Uh, I'll give you three films that I've recently reviewed, uh, all directed by Greg Araki. Um, awesome, awesome director. Uh, so the first one would be from 1992, The Living End. 1993, Totally Fucked Up. And then from 2004, Mysterious Skin. I like all three of them. My favorite is Mysterious Skin. It, um, all three of them are very much focused on um, homosexual American characters. Um, Greg Araki is one of the, you know, main, you know, key figures of the new queer cinema movement of the eighties and the nineties. <clears throat> um, and I have been trying to, you know, in June, cause that's, you know, that's pride month. I tried to watch some stuff I hadn't seen before um, in particular by, um, you know, uh, gay creators. And um, yeah, I, I really like these movies and mysterious skin. I gave a 10. I thought it was, <laughs> a really tough watch, but it, it, it involves um, some, some dialogue that I, just, I found to be extremely powerful. Um, and it's all, you know, a bunch of young characters and Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in it. Um, and he plays a character named Neil, who is a, you know, a pretty rebellious uh, teenager character who, um, you know, will sleep with older men um, for money. And he's just, this rowdy, rowdy character who I found to be in some way relatable, but also despicable at times. He had both those things going on, which I love in characters when they kind of just are like a tornado. 
uh, yeah, this movie's, you know, th- these movies are really good. I, I anticipate I'll watch more Greg Rocky films in the future, but uh, yeah, I definitely in- encourage people to check it out. It's much a different pace um, and uh, very in your face, you know? So yeah, I, I, I like that stuff a lot, man. What have you been checking out? Um, I recently watched two biopics okay. uh, that I'd like to spotlight on. The first is 2006's Alpha Dog, a very dark uh, crime drama that tells the true story of uh, SoCal drug dealer Jesse James Hollywood. The name yeah. changed for legal reasons. He was a uh, small-time weed dealer who kidnapped the younger brother of a rival. Uh, showed in the time of his life, and then when things weren't working out with the kidnapping, executed him in the desert. And it's really fucked up. It was a true story. Shocked the nation in 2000. Jesse James Hollywood fled to Paraguay, ended up on the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. They finally caught him in 2005. And he's been serving life in San Quentin ever since. And uh, this is the story of the kidnapping. Neil Hirsch plays Johnny True Love, the stand-in for Jesse James Hollywood. Justin Timberlake plays his right-hand man. Anton Yelchin plays the kidnapped kid. And Ben Foster plays his psycho gangster Ooh. brother who's trying to find him. And uh, goddamn, I mean, it was an intense movie. The performances are fantastic. The story is just fucking heartbreaking. And uh, yeah, I, I loved it. It's currently on Netflix. Uh, direct, written and directed by Nick Cassavetes, son of John Cassavetes. Yes, sir. Uh, the other was fantastic. 1999's Man on the Moon. Uh, Milos Forman's biopic of legendarily bizarre comedian Andy Kaufman, played to perfection by Jim Carrey, won him his second globe. I can't believe he wasn't up for an Oscar for this. He should have fucking won. It was an incredible performance. The movie is so strange it t- because Kaufman was so strange. You, this, you couldn't make this guy up. The shit he was willing to do just because he thought it was funny. The only person he wanted to amuse was himself. He didn't give a fuck if anybody else got the joke. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That is a, it's, that's performance art on a, on a level no one else has ever reached. I know, man. It's a brilliant movie. It really is. And he, was only, he died at 33 years old of a rare form of lung cancer in 1984. You, I mean, what, can you imagine where this guy would have gone? Like what he would have gone on to, to do had he you know, lived longer? Uh, a lot of people think he faked his death, which is crazy. The movie kind of lets you make your own decision on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, if anybody could successfully pull that off, it's Andy Kaufman. Yeah, true. And uh, it, it just adds to the fascination of his, his, short, his short career. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Fantastic movie. Um, there's a documentary on Netflix called Jim and Andy that tells the story of the filmmaking process because Jim Carrey pretty much erased Jim Carrey to become Andy Kaufman. And uh, I'm going to be watching that tonight. So very excited. And uh, awesome. I gave that film a nine. I highly recommend it. Uh, check that out. So that is all for this week, guys. Hope you enjoyed As Above, So Below. Uh, it was definitely a surprise for us. If you want a bit more, you can check out our Oscar Sunday podcast. We'll be diving into Dr. Strangelove this Sunday. Very excited. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And next Wednesday, we're stepping out of horror and into a cult favorite superhero comedy. 
When Champion City's greatest hero disappears, it's up to a team of reject superheroes to take down the evil super genius Casanova Frankenstein and save the world from total fraculation. Next week's movie topic is 1999's Mystery Men, starring Ben Stiller, Hank Azaria, William H. Macy, and Jeffrey Rush, among others. Don't miss it. Until then, and I, I cannot stress this enough, never, I mean never, go into the Paris catacombs. Ever. Seriously, never. See you next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.